everybody, it's Drags, and it's Wednesday, March 4th, time for episode 340 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. Welcoming in Rich Hill of patspulpit.com on SB Nation, a fabulous Patriots follow on Twitter at pp underscore rich underscore hill and follow Pat's Pulpit at Pat's Pulpit on Twitter as well. Are you surprised that I actually got through that without screwing it up? Uh, that was very impressive. Well, you, I mean, number 340 shows that you have plenty of experience. I might yeah. have dropped a little bit at that one. So congratulations on that. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Rich. We uh, try hard to entertain here on Patriots Beat, and we have very loyal listeners. So a shout-out to all of our listeners who make made the previous 339 possible. Uh, I guess we're going to start with the obvious. I mean, I everybody's – I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people are tired of the Tom Brady drama. But uh, over the weekend at the Carrier Dome, the final basketball game that the Orange will play – uh, in that facility before it gets massively renovated, new roof and, and all, uh, Tom Brady was in attendance, uh, courtside or very close to the court with Julian Edelman and Jimmy Kimmel. And there it was, uh, Julian Edelman, uh, getting on camera and the camera caught him mouthing the words, he'll be back. He's returning. He's coming back. He's coming back. And Tom Brady either said, uh, no, or he said, this guy. So first of all, how strong are your lip reading skills? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I want to give major kudos to all of those audio technicians that have been put to work this week, trying to figure out what it is that he said. I don't know if you caught this. They found a way to isolate just the audio coming from Edelman and Brady. And it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm like very, very oh impressed by whoever did this. And you can see, or I guess you can technically it's here, that Brady is not paying any attention whatsoever to Edelman. Someone else on the court is chatting to Brady and is asking him, uh, I'm going to butcher the name of the, the coach, I think it's Boheim, right? Uh, it's like, what, what did Boheim say to you? Or what, what did Beheim, you tell Boheim? Jim Beheim, Beheim. Yeah. What'd you tell Jim Boeheim? And Brady goes, he's got it. Has completely nothing to do whatsoever with any response to Julian Edelman. But I do have to say that Brady is putting on an absolute masterclass on just dominating this offseason right now. So do you think he's intentionally doing this? Oh, that's, <laughs> I, I don't think he's not doing it. I mean, so from my understanding and just kind of picking up the pieces along the way is that uh, nothing is an accident. Here. You know, I mean, he's doing, right. he's going out in public very intentionally. His camp is putting out stories very intentionally, as is the Patriots camp. So they are each trying to get their narratives done. Uh, I, I do think that Brady is out and about really wanting to show that he's comfortable with what's going on. He's not going to like come crawling back to the Patriots by any measure. I don't think anyone is expecting that to happen. I think he's just living his life, wants to like continue to be Tom Brady, that public figure that can go enjoy a basketball game with his his best buddy, Julian Edelman. <laughs> and, you know, if it comes out that it applies pressure on the Patriots that he's, you know, comfortable looking or thinking of other places, then that's more power to Tom Brady and his camp, and it helps him in the negotiations. So usually negotiations, Rich, are about money. 
I don't get the sense this is about money. This is about everything else uh, in the pie, so mm-hmm. to speak, of what would make Tom Brady happy in New England. Is he appreciated? Is uh, is his role going to diminish uh, in the Josh McDaniels uh, offense uh, with Bill Belichick looking over it? Is he going to have enough weapons around him? And will the Patriots give him the guarantee that they're going to go out and get likely uh, two tight end weapons, either through the draft, which may or may not happen, or mm-hmm. do they go out and get a guy like Hunter Henry and, and make something happen around the tight end position and then go out and get one or two wide receivers? There is one caveat to all of this that is hasn't been talked about a lot, um, I don't think, but it's the Antonio Brown factor. And if Tom Brady continues to talk and keep contact with Antonio Brown, I think that's a red flag to the Patriots. Mm. Do you think that there's any chance that this is Brady just doing his Tom Brady, like put the good energy out into the world and good energy will come back to him, that he's not going to talk down or poorly about Antonio Brown. He's going to say, you know what, like you have my support, but that might just be it. No, I think I think Tom Brady did not get over, hasn't gotten over what happened in week three of the 2019 season with Antonio Brown. And he feels as if Antonio Brown somehow, someway was given a raw deal and the Patriots were given a raw deal. And I don't know. I just think Tom Brady has this sense that, or at least he's giving this public perception. And as you said a couple of minutes ago, Rich, nothing ever happens by accident with Tom Brady. And I don't think Tom Brady would have it out there that he's staying in touch with Antonio Brown if it wasn't to give the impression that he would like to play with them down the road. Yeah, I mean, that's completely possible. I think Brady is definitely of that that mindset that, uh, you know, if – he nothing's happened in like the legal system. Then he's like, it gives me a chance to win. So therefore like, I'm going to keep that door open. I kind of wonder if it's additionally him just saying this, you know, football player specific, this is the caliber of player that I need around me. Last year was, you know, there were, there were attempts and everything kind of fell through, whether it was Josh Gordon or Antonio Brown or like all of the attempts of the players on the off season, with like Demarius Thomas. So like all of these players that have had promise, but either like injury or something else just removed it from the system. I wonder, and I kind of think that this is Brady sending out that message that, Hey Patriots, in order for me to be happy here, in order for me to contribute to a positive and production productive offense that we did not have last season, I'm going to need some better players around here. I'm going to need these blue chip players of that Antonio Brown football player caliber that can help me, that can remove some of the pressure away from Julian Edelman so the entire offense just doesn't evaporate if the defense decides to double cover Edelman. Absolutely. And I think Tom Brady knows how to apply the pressure and uh, he knows that he has a louder voice than any other player uh, in the last 20 years, as we'll have on Bill Belichick and Nick Casario. And then in that, even then, it may not be enough to sway them in what they feel their personnel moves are going to be going forward. I want to correct something. I think I said um, Jimmy Kimmel. I met Jimmy Fallon. 
mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. at uh, courtside at Syracuse uh, last Saturday, just <laughs> to get that record uh, corrected there, Rich. But uh, <laughs> um, so, do you think Tom Brady hits free agency March 18th? You do. I do. I, I would not be surprised if he came back. Uh, that's just based off of the gut of everything that we know about Tom Brady is that he wants to win. He, as you said, it's not necessarily about the money. He wants to feel respected. And I think Tom Curran put out a good piece just showing or just establishing that, you know, it's not necessarily the fact that uh, he wants to be paid like the top quarterbacks, but he does want to have some security. He was on a year to year last year. And I can see him being like, you know what, I, for the rest of my career, want to know that I'm both wanted here and feel comfortable here. And that is, okay. I think the, the issue of the negotiation might take Here's place the problem. Exactly. Here's the kick. Here's the kicker. If Bill Belichick says to Tom Brady, Tom, I'm going to bring you back, but it's only for one year guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And Tom gets two year guarantees from every other team on the table. I think he's gone. I agree. I agree. I, and I, I think that is what we have to wait for the free agency period to start to kind of establish the table because like, I mean, the Raiders and the Chargers, I mean, the Chargers for whatever reason, those are the teams that will come out and say, uh, yeah, we have money to burn because we both need new fan bases and uh, sure. Tom Brady is the biggest name that you can get out there. It'll put people in the seats. So I could see them giving multi-year guaranteed deals. And so that's why Brady has no pressure to sign a long-term deal before free agency period. He's going to want to see what those offers are. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, those historical, like Devin McCourty type contractual negotiations where at the end of the day, he wants to stay in New England. It's a matter of will New England make Brady feel like he's wanted there too. Yeah, I, I just get the sense that um, another team like Tampa Bay, I think mm-hmm. Bruce Arians is a legit threat. If he gets an audience with Tom and Arians says, look, you know, we do a lot of deep patterns, a lot of uh, Y routes, a lot of X routes, speed go routes down the field, but I'm willing to change it a little bit. I still want you to be able to throw the ball all over the field. Um, and if Tom likes what he hears from a guy like Bruce Arians, who you know Brady respects mm-hmm. already, I think that's I think that's a likely landing spot if he leaves New England. What did you make of the story of Andy Dalton? See, that to me... <laughs> Was the Patriots putting out a counter to Tom Brady and saying, look, um, if you decide to leave, Tom, we understand that. We respect that. But we're going to have plan B ready to go. Absolutely. And same with like those Mariota stories that were coming out as well. So that the Patriots are not going to be sitting idly by. So that is the pressure that they are going to be countering with is that, okay, Tom, you, you can't sit through the entirety of free agency. And if you don't sign this extension, we'll sign someone for, you know, or acquire Dalton for half the contract that you'll likely fetch on the open market, or we'll sign Mariota for, you know, a sixth of the cost. And we feel like we can compete around with those types of players. So I think that's definitely the Patriots playing their hand, setting around those stories. And I mean, honestly, I, I would throw uh, Derek Carr in there as well as a possible name. Yeah. To keep an eye sure. out for as in like, that is the level of quarterback that I imagine okay. Bill Belichick thinks they need in order to remain competitive. Okay. And that is like the base level of need and production. Not to interrupt you, Rich, but I'm going to, you know, I you may or may not know this, but I follow the Bengals very closely, you know, <laughs> from there and from Cincinnati, the whole nine yards. 
anybody, and Belichick was on the sideline back in December, who watched Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was the reason the Patriots won that game. He made horrible decisions before halftime. Mm-hmm. He threw the pick six to Stephon Gilmore. He made bad reads all over the field. Now, that being said, Belichick is fully capable of looking at that quarterback and going, look, with better coaching, with get better game preparation, better discipline, I could definitely work with this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's few quarterbacks in the league that have been forced to deal with as much ineptitude as Andy Dalton in recent years. I mean, like basically with either poor coaching decisions or just lack of resources or just sure. like simple injuries around him. So like not having AJ Green the entire year. That that just really hampered the entire offense. John Ross is unreliable. Tyler Eifert is always hurt and you know that offensive line is just completely gone. They that you know what was used to be like at least like a competent and solid offensive line is no longer. And so he, he was given a, a pretty rough break. This was a team that no matter who they put behind center was going to be vying for Joe Burrow. And uh, I, I think that Andy Dalton, I don't think he's ever, he's not a top 10 quarterback in the league by any means, but it's, there's that Andy Dalton line for a reason. You know, that is the average quarterback. And if, yep. if you can take that average quarterback and say, uh, this is the current landscape of the AFC East. I think we can win it with Andy Dalton or just a league average quarterback. And maybe we'll be able to use that additional 15 million of contract that we won't be spending on you to bring around other players. Maybe that'll be enough to make us compete. Speaking with Rich Hill of patspulpit.com on SB Nation. Follow Rich on Twitter at PP underscore Rich underscore H-I-L-L. That would be his name. PP <laughs> underscore Rich underscore Hill. Cars today are like computers on wheels, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all of this tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks. That's where Car Shield comes in. Super easy process, saving money on costly repairs, customer service, CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and much more. With CarShield, you're behind the wheel of your own plan. CarShield has customizable monthly plans with rates as low as $99 a month. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers, so drive with confidence knowing you've got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. With rates as low as $99 a month, you have nothing to lose. Get covered by CarShield today. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention the code BEAT, B-E-A-T, or visit carshield.com and use the code BEAT to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code BEAT, a deductible may apply. Back with Rick Schill of PassPulpit.com on SB Nation. All right, what impressed you the most out at the Combine from what you saw on TV and what you read? Oh, man. Okay, so there's a few pieces of just absolute incredible athleticism that want to highlight. Uh, first one being Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson linebacker slash safety that I just really wish would have been available for the Patriots come the draft. He is, I mean, he's like 
what, 235-ish pounds, and he ran a sub 4440. That is one that really stood out to me. Um, but then specifically, uh, Jeff Akuda, cornerback out of Ohio State. I don't know if you saw this video that was going viral, but it was his footwork and his hip flexibility that showed him Freak running out. his drop. Right. It was, um, uh, no, not even that. It was, uh, it was just one of those like positional drill things where he was just dropping back. Then they had him flip his hips, flip them back, turn around and just sprint. And he had just the most impeccable footwork. It was just draw dropping. I highly recommend people just Googling it because you'll see that and go, man, this is just the absolute prototype of an NFL cornerback. We should also keep in mind when you're talking Patriots and the draft and, and we are, I'm guilty of this sometimes. And I think a lot of other people are as well. We see need the Patriots don't ever, ever, ever <laughs> draft like that. Correct. They always take. Stay true to the board. What did Bill Belichick always tell Ozzie Newsom? Stay true to the board. Stick to the board. Oh, man, yeah. You you pick your five favorite players in any draft that you would think would be absolutely perfect fits for the Patriots, and they will trade down with all five of them on the board. It's unbelievable every year. <laughs> well, and and pe- fans get furious about that. Like, why aren't they picking towards need? And it's because they believe they can coach anybody or that talent reigns supreme. And if they view the player with the most talent available, they're going to take that talent uh, and put them on the roster, which is why. And maybe, Rich, you can shed some light on this. I know Evan Lazar tried to do this last week with me. Uh, (laughs) Why have they missed so badly at the wide receiver position? Oh man, that's, that's a hard one. There's one thing that really stands out to me. Uh, I don't know if you ever read the book War Room by Michael Hawley. There's this one passage. I want to say it was ahead of the 2011 draft, whichever draft had Julio Jones in it. Yep. Where the Atlanta Falcons. 11. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was the year that the Atlanta Falcons traded up. They traded up like multiple first round picks for it. And Bill Belichick advised Tom Dimitrov, you know, former Patriots exec, now Atlanta Falcons general manager. He told him, hey, I don't think it's a good idea to trade up for a player like Julio Jones when you can get a similar player like Jonathan Baldwin at the end of the first. (laughs) And that just Uh... has, has not aged well. And I think there's just some sort of disconnect in evaluating how players at a college level can both transition into the NFL and also succeed by picking up the Patriots offense. And there's this one quote uh, from the wide receiver from Arizona state. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's a I Y U K a Um, But he played the same exact position that Nikhila Harry played at Arizona state before the Patriots drafted him. And they talked because you know, the, it's ahead of the draft figuring out what he, he can learn from Nikhila Harry to best prepare him for the NFL doing his due diligence. And it turns out that Harry, you know, he was learning a new language. He had to learn it on the fly. And it was just a completely different type of offense than what he was used to. And that's something that I always don't see the Patriots account for when they draft a wide receiver is someone who has either experience in the Patriot system or someone who has proven that they can succeed in a similar type of option offense where they, you know, they get to run their option routes. The one player who has Malcolm Mitchell, and he appeared to be a revelation. So I I think the big issue is just a disconnect between 
which players can transition from the college level to the NFL level while simultaneously picking up the complicated Patriots offense. So I saw you uh, retweet on Monday, Thor Nystrom, and you know where I'm going with this, right? Mm. Wide mm-hmm. receiver spark. Oh yeah. Me out. Uh, Donovan Beeple's Jones uh, blew everybody away with the 99 rugs, uh, had a 99. You know the name that jumps off the page for where he is on this page? Jerry right. Judy. Yeah, right? It's true. 21.8. Now, now, first of all, we need to, you need to explain to people, because I know you know this, what Spark <laughs> is and why it matters to the wide receiver position. Yeah, so effectively what Spark is, is like a, like an amalgamation, a combination of all of the different athletic, uh, uh, skills or uh, I'm blanking on the word right now, but whatever those things that they have to do at the combine, whether it's the 40, uh, the three cone, the shuttle, the broad jump, it's in a combination of all of these to figure out how explosive this player is, how great right. of an athlete is this player compared to others, either at the position, at their relative weight. So what you can see is Claypool is number three on that list with a 98. So this is out of 100. So that just shows that he's an incredible athlete. His individual numbers might not be as impressive as some of them. You know, he ran slower than Henry Ruggs did, but Claypool is, you know, 240 pounds at wide receiver. Ruggs is not. So, you know, what's more impressive, running a 441 at 240 pounds or running a 428 at, you know, 205 or 195? That, I mean, that's, that remains to be determined. That's what Spark is trying to show is that for this specific player and their size and their position, this is how great of an athlete they are relative to others at that position. So, uh, Spark stands for, and it's a Nike rating, Nike came up with this, right? Mm-hmm. It stands for speed, power, agility, reaction, and quickness. Something also that I found interesting is that if you go off this, the Spark from last year, um, at this time, uh, DK Metcalf did not do that great. And, you know, he was able to make some, big inroads with the Seahawks in his first year. And I'm just curious why, you know, a player like DK Metcalf, who was, I believe, he was available, right? I mean, when yep. the Patriots were picking, the Patriots missed on him and they, they go with uh, Nikhil Harry, who may turn into still a very, very good uh, NFL player, very productive. Uh, but I just don't understand why the Patriots seem to constantly miss. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's like, there's many advanced statistics that are developed out there. And one thing that Nikhil Harry dominated in, uh, you know, sorry for that, but uh, he he is the NFL dominator. <laughs> that, that was the advanced stat that he throw, like thrived in while he was in college is that he was, I want to say 19 years old at Arizona State where he was just putting up absolutely tremendous production as the main focal point of that entire offense. And so when you look over the years, players who are at such a young age like Nikhil Harry was, where they carry entire offenses in the way that he did, yep, they often transition well and succeed in the NFL because they've shown that at a young age when they're not fully developed, they can still dominate. And he did that. And so I, I, I see and I saw the reasons for taking him it's just that there were some other players that also appeared to dominate. Like I just shake my head at them not taking AJ Brown or Debo Samuel 
last year. Those were two wide receivers that just had Patriots all over them. Yep. And uh they did well <laughs> in the NFL. While Harry, you know, he had his injury, so there's like nothing you can really do about that. But I, I think that the Patriots want to try to not overvalue certain things of athleticism because they recognize that there has to be some sort of uh like a mental connection with the playbook that maybe that is what is driving their selections ahead of the draft. Is that See, this is to a me player? That- that's a problem. And mm-hmm. if you, and, and if you are driving your selection based on which players can pick up your playbook and you're, and you're doing that at the expense of taking the best athlete who might be able to help your team. And, and I understand what their thinking is, but to me, in a position like that, in a skill position like that, I think they might be overthinking it. Um, we should go back. The college dominator rating, for those wondering, it was first outlined by Frank DuPont in the book Game Plan. The college dominator rating represents a player's market share or his percentage of his team's offensive production. For example, a 35% dominating or higher indicates that a wide receiver has the potential to be a team's number one ride wide receiver. Certainly um, he was that at Arizona state and I'm sure the Patriots projected him as a dominator in the red zone. And that at times he was, I think he showed that toward the end of the season, uh, but just not enough. I want to move on to the coaching staff now, Rich. And I, we were, you know, emailing and messaging back and forth uh, on Monday morning talking about some subjects and you uh, brought up the interesting point that uh, Patriots are again going through a transition in their coaching staff. They lose Brett Bielma uh, and obviously Joe Judge to the New York Giants, Judge uh, being uh, the head coach there, uh, and they lose Dante Skarnecki up finally to retirement for a second time around. How does all of this pan out and how do the Patriots again uh, deal with a coaching drain? Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the more uh, understated issues. Um, when you, you look at how the Patriots have sustained their success over the years, so much has to be attributed to consistency at key positions in the coaching staff. And whether that's Nick Casario hanging around forever at the player personnel spot uh, or Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and their tandem, but you can't undersell Ivan Fears at the running back spot where he's been just a rock there forever. But that was also Dante Scarnecchia, and that is going to be a huge set of shoes for whomever follows to have to fill because Scarnecchia was, without a doubt in my mind, the greatest offensive line coach in the NFL. No question. Belongs in Canton. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was just tremendous the way that he would not only turn great athletes into amazing players, you know, talking about like the Nate Solders of the world, but also he would take players and groom them and develop them into elite players like the, the Stephen Neals of the world. But I mean, it's, imagine just like the development that Dan Connolly had over his time with the Patriots where he went from being the liability on the offensive line when he first joined the team into kind of a stalwart at the end of it. You know, he was the offensive line captain at the end of his career. So the fact that he will no longer be a part of the Patriots coaching staff, I mean, he's helping with the scouting. You can't keep him out forever, but that is a huge thing that the Patriots will have to fill. And it reminds me a lot of what happened to the Patriots after 2004 when, you know, 
you lose Charlie Weiss, you lose Romeo Cronell, then you try to replace them. You lose Eric Mangini just a couple of years later. So the, it's the fact that you're go, you're not just having to replace a coach. You're routinely and continually having to replace people. So you lose Brian Flores and then you lose Joe Judge and you lost Brett Bielema. Like you lose all of these other people that were supposed to be important parts for just consistency. And you're left having to start from scratch and saying, I don't know who can fit into this spot. My question to you is, do you think that Steven Belichick will be named defensive coordinator? I'm going to say no. I think he's got one more year. Do you think he's ultimately going to be the guy though? Over yeah, I do. I, I do. Um, I, I could go either way in, in thinking that Steve could get the DC tag, uh, to start 2020, but I, I just get the sense that he's going to do one more year with the secondary and then be promoted, um, to defensive coordinator. The, the other part of that is, well, maybe Belichick wants to promote him to Defensive coordinator, uh, before Belichick leaves. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm 50 50 on that. Yeah. I mean, there's still plenty of pieces that have to be moved around because right now, as the roster stands, there's a vacancy at the wide receiver spot, the offensive line spot, defensive coordinator, defensive line. In my mind, I mean, the Patriots have brought aboard a couple people. They brought along, uh, Joe Houston to be the assistant special teams coach next to Cameron Accord, who is the special teams coordinator replacing Joe Judge. Rusty Benson's back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ross Ventrone is going to be, uh, likely an assistant coach. He was helping interview defensive backs at the combine, uh, according to multiple reports. So he is going to fill in some role. Uh, that is what his experience was also on special teams while he was with the Patriots. And I have to imagine if he's working with those defensive backs, I wouldn't imagine that he would jump right into a positional coach spot because that's not how Bill Belichick rolls. Very rarely does he bring in a new coach and say, all right, you get an official spot. Sure. He's more likely going right. to be that defensive coaching assistant. But, you know, that gives us this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, come 2021, that's when Steve Belichick becomes the defensive coordinator. That's that when Ventron moves sense into to that secondary safety spot. Pellegrino can stay with the cornerbacks. And that fixes up a lot of holes that they might have. All right. We're looking at, we're going to finish up here speaking with, uh, the, the one and only Rich Hill of patspulpit.com on SB Nation. Patriots have 20 free agents, correct? That's the number. If I'm, uh, whew, they got, I, I can't count that high, but yeah, they got a plenty. Yeah. They have, well, let's, let's focus on the main ones, not named Tom Brady. And I'm going to ask you yes or no, they return. And I think you're gonna, most of the answers are going to be no, but we're just going to do it. <laughs> Philip Dorsett. No. Joe Tooney. No. Benjamin Watson's gone, obviously. Yeah. Um, Danny Shelton. Ooh, I'm going to say yes. Jamie Collins. I think he's gone. Alandon Roberts. I think he's back. Kyle Van Noy. Ooh. All right, I, I want gone. I want to give a half talk here. Uh, oh, I, okay. I, I think I think he is gone. I think that he will most likely go to a place like a Detroit or Miami because you know he's won his rings. He he completely deserves go back home to Detroit. Yeah, exactly, and go to one of those former Bill Belichick spots. You know, maybe you can go to Tennessee. I think he has a great skill set. I think last year was the first season that. He, the Patriots as well as NFL coaches really figured out where he thrives. 
And uh, it's on the edge in a five-man front, you know, bare fronts or, you know, just as an outside linebacker in that type of role, but at the line of scrimmage. And now that there's an entire season worth of tape of him doing that, I think there's going to be many more teams that will realize uh, where he fits. And I would not uh, be surprised if some team just outbid the Patriots by, you know, a year or, uh, you know, a little bit of money more than what the Patriots would be willing to do. And uh, Van Noy would he can go there and not for lack of trying on the Patriots part, but just how the, the money and the salary cap works. And the Tennessee Titans, uh, according to pro football focus, their number one uh, need going into the off season edge, uh, Devin McCourty. He's back. He'll be back one year or two. Uh, I, I could see it being uh, depending on when the CBA gets signed, but I could see it being one of those multi-year deals where the last couple of years aren't really real, uh, where it yep. just helps spread out the cap. So, uh, and we didn't talk that much about the CBA. I think the CBA uh, is going to have a huge impact on how the page, how aggressive the Patriots are with not only Tom Brady, but all of their free agents. Oh, totally. I mean, you can just imagine how, uh, the idea of a 17 game season and when that will be implemented. Is that a 2021 thing, a 2022 thing? Whenever that happens, that means that the salary cap is going to explode. And so that's going to greatly impact how the Patriots structure their team deals where, you know what, maybe we'll give you like a, you know, three year guaranteed deal, but most of that money is going to be backloaded into that third year when there's a ton of money that's going to enter from a salary cap perspective. Well, you know, one thing that I don't, see reported a lot and talked about a lot as part of the new CBA and why the owners are really desperate to get this done. You have two huge stadiums opening mm-hmm. you have Vegas and LA, and there is no way the owners <laughs> want those buildings up and nothing in them. Oh, right. That would be such a you know egg on the face of the league if that were to happen. I mean, and if you're the players and if you're DeMaurice Smith Aren't you at least using that as, as a bargaining chip? Look, this is your last chance to really get it right if you're the players, if you ask me. And I'm sure that the player reps, the veteran player reps who have been around are making that point very clear. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think I'll always be advocating for the, the player side of things because they are the ones putting their bodies on the line here. Yes, sir. Uh, and I, I just do, I like, I also just wouldn't, begrudge some of those entry-level players according to I think Peter King wrote about this in his Football Morning in America article that Nate Solder interviewed a bunch of the young players in the 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 locker room of the New York Giants and they all like unanimously said you know what we would take a 17th game if it meant that we were promised more benefits once we retire if we can get a little bit more money right now because their careers are so short nothing is guaranteed they can't afford to sit out a year that if they're in those positions that while i would love for there to be better revenue sharing among the players i completely understand why there's that pressure to say we need a deal now because if not uh, you know the careers might just be over this has been a treat rich i really appreciate it Oh, absolutely. Love being on this. Yeah, it's been fun. We've covered a lot of ground today and uh, hope we entertained everybody that was listening. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our great guest, Rich Hill, from SB Nation's Pat's Pulpit. Follow Rich at 
PP underscore Rich underscore Hill. Also want to thank our great sponsor, CarShield. For producer Mike Alonji and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.